Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. The Israelites said to Samuel, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. Today, we're going to do a little experiment. You ready? Yes or no? All right. It's a diagnostic, really. Uh, it's It's to help you understand where your heart is. So here it goes. Imagine the scene. You are at a party, cocktail party, at the walking tree. You're at a golf game, wherever. You're around other people. And somebody introduces you to somebody else. I don't care who, not important. And they say, oh, it's nice to meet you, Bob, Mary, Tim, whatever your name is. Tell me about yourself. Here's the question for you. What would you say? Don't overthink it. Because if you think it, you're going to say, Jesus, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. What would you say? Got it? Kind of? I want you to take a minute to think about that for a second because it's a crucially important question. Because what you would say in response to that question is how you identify yourself. I mean, think about how you would describe your your own personhood casually. The first thing or things that come to mind, those are the things that define your self-concept of who you are, your identity. Got it? We're going to talk about that today because it's a crucially important question. And we're going to talk about that today in this seemingly um, inapplicable text from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Samuel is a book out of the Old Testament. And today we read about this really bizarre exchange between the Israelites and Samuel. And we're going to look at this idea of identity. What, is a per- what are the people of God? What is our identity? And I want to look at, at three points today. Three points. First, I want to look at the human craving for identity. Who am I? Who are you? The human craving for identity. Secondly, a warning at what you ask for. And then finally, the identity that God desires for you. So it's three points, and I'll remind you as we go through. The human need for identity is point one. Point two, a warning for what we ask for. And then finally, the identity that God desires for you. You You ready? So the theme of the day is identity out of 1 Samuel chapter 8. And Samuel, you might not know much about Samuel, but Samuel is an important character in the Old Testament. Samuel is a guy with a big problem on his hands. And the problem goes like this. Samuel, Shmaul is his name in Hebrew, if you care. Uh, Samuel is a guy who's put in charge of ministering to God's people. He is known as a judge. And uh, judges in the Old Testament, at least here, are not, it's not somebody who would make a legal declaration, but rather a judge is somebody who has a direct line to God. He's sort of like a prophet. So if you need to know, hey, Samuel, what does God think about, you know, the Stanley Cup? You go to Samuel, and Samuel can ask God, and God tells him directly. So Samuel, in this context, is the guy who's got the direct line, the horn, to God. He's a judge. And so 
this prophet is faced with a crisis of identity. Why? Well, the Israelites come to him and they say, make us a god. Sorry, sorry, make us a king like the other nations. Listen to that again. Make us a king, Samuel, like the other nations. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Israelites are supposed to know better, kind of like you, kind of like me. We're supposed to know that God is supposed to be our center. And the Israelites, if you know your ancient Near Eastern history, the Israelites, as a, to be reminded continually of their distinct role in the world, their culture, they did weird stuff, like really weird stuff in historical context. The Jews did, like they circumcised their males, right? They, uh, they didn't eat pork or shellfish, but that would stink, but... They, uh, they, did, they didn't wear garments of two different kinds of fabric. All these weird, weird ceremonial laws they maintained. Well, why'd they do that? Well, for one reason and one reason only. And that, listen, that the Jewish identity, listen, was called to be different. Called to stand out from the crowd. Called to be an example. But the Israelites, like you and like me, well... They cave. <laughs> they gave in. They, they succumbed to the pressure, listen, that they want to be like everybody else. You ever feel that way as a Christian? Uncomfortable about your faith and you wish you could just kind of blend in and nobody knew? Of course you did. And so the Israelites, they, they feel this pressure to be like everybody else, to give up God as their, their center, and to look for that world, what the world says is your center, your identity. And they go to Samuel, say, Samuel, get up, old man, and give us a king like all the other nations. You with me? They want, what, they, what they're asking for, stay with me, what they're asking for is a new identity, not under God, but like everybody else. Now, if that sounds strange, and you think, oh, come on, those silly Israelites, there they go, blown it again, it's actually a lot closer to home than you might think, and I'll prove it to you. Um, just three minutes ago, I asked you, what would you say if somebody asked you to tell them about you? What were your answers? What did you say? What was the first thing that came to your mind? Because that, that is your identity. It's your concept of yourself. How many of you, how many of you, honestly, if somebody said to you, tell me about yourself, you'd say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. How many of you is, that's the first thing in your mind? Probably not many, but that's the point of the sermon for today. Why? It's a crucially important question. Your entire life, your ability to cope, your ability to deal, your ability to live a life of meaning, and integrity is based upon that question. I'll prove it to you. This past week, we heard of the two suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. Now, Kate Spade, I will confess to you, I know nothing about Kate Spade. She could have sat across the room from me and said, Hi, I'm Kate Spade. And I would have thought, wow, is she the sister of David Spade? I don't know. My girls know. I've got four girls in my house, three daughters and a wife. They all know who Kate Spade is. I have not a clue. I do, however, know who Anthony Bourdain is because I liked his show. I don't know him personally, but I liked him. He was cool. He was funny. He was kind of edgy, a little bit of a bad boy. I, I just 
can kind of relate to him, frankly, and I appreciated Anthony Bourdain. And, and what I want you to see, though, in both of those people, they're very different people, but in both of their cases, these were people at the top of their game, man. These are people who had everything that the world could offer. Their identity was what? Celebrity? Successful? People want to be like them? People want to emulate them? People look up to them? They had everything that the world could offer. Their identity was grounded in the things of this world. And what we saw this past week, and why everybody is freaking out about it, is because what was laid bare to you and to me is that the identities of this world cannot sustain you. The identity of this world cannot sustain you. If this world is all you have to believe in, someday those things will be taken from you and your world will be destroyed. I guarantee it. Henry David Thoreau wrote in Walden, and you've heard this before, the mass of men, and generic, broadly speaking, the mass of people lead lives of quiet desperation. Why is that? Why is it? Well, it's a question of your identity. Think of the things that you used to define yourself a minute ago. It could be anything. If that thing were taken away from you and that was what you hung your existence on, it would destroy you. All of us want, all of us crave an identity. So here's the question this morning for you. What's yours? And could you survive the loss of it? That's the first thing, this craving, this human craving for an identity. And secondly, we see God's warning about what the Israelites crave. Let's go back to them for a second. The Israelites go to Samuel and they say, Samuel, give us a king. We want to have a king like all the other nations. And the word says there, it's really cool. In verse 6, it says that Samuel, the English translation is that Samuel was displeased. But the word there actually means evil. Samuel says, what you're asking for is evil. What does that mean? Well, evil is something that we do that has a negative consequence to ourselves or people around us, right? That's what defines evil. And so what, God, what Samuel is saying to the Israelites is, look, if you choose this other thing, if you put something in place of God, you will have profoundly negative consequences in your own life. Go back and read it again. Samuel says, you can have this king. God will give it to you. God will let you walk away from him. But this new king that you choose, this second-rate king you're going to put in God's place, what's he going to do? He's going to take your family. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. Six times. Six times. Samuel says, the things that you put in God's place will take from you and destroy you in the process. But they say, well, you know what? We'll take it. And God gives them a king. God allows them to have something in his place, but he warns them of the consequence. Notice something here, really important. God sees the destruction of the choices they're about to make, and he lets them do it. God sees the destruction of the choices that you're about to make. And he lets you do it. He lets you choose poorly, so it's, if you choose to. He permits you, and God knows he permits me, <laughs> to put things in his place, to make him second, third, fourth fiddle, to make my identity in something else besides him. And friends, those consequences, those claims of identity affect me, and they affect you. 
And there's a few examples, lots of examples, in Scripture, love of money and wealth, love of being jealous and bitter. If you do these things, God says, there'll be a consequence to you. There will be a consequence if you put something in his place. All right, so you want to put your own personal partying lifestyle in my place? Fine. You want to go out and drop a six-pack of Budweiser and drive home? There will be a consequence to that decision. You want to love money and put your focus on wealth? You can acquire it. Oh, yes. But the more you get, the more you're going to want. The more you get, the more people are going to dislike you because you'll be unbearable. And the more you get, the more superior you feel. And the more you will look down at people that don't have it. And it never actually satisfies. That's the problem. That's the tragedy. Friends, look, the things that you claim is your identity, they describe, listen, the things that you value. They define who you are. They're not necessarily bad things. They're not necessarily bad things. You can be a mom or a dad or a priest or a cop or a fireman or a lawyer or a stay-at-home caregiver to one of your loved ones. You can be a choir director or an organist. You can be all these things. The problem is when those things become a measure of your self-worth, when those things define who you are as a human, when you exchange your identity as a child of God saved by grace, and try to prove yourself based upon the world's standards, you will fail. So here's the question, and i got a, a solution for you in a moment. What defines you? What is the root of your identity? identity? If God is not your king, if God is not your center, whatever you place, put in his place will fail you. And your Father in heaven, who created you and whose image you're made, does not want to see you fail. So we see the craving for a human, we see a craving for identity. We see God's warning, be careful what you ask for. And then finally, we see the identity that God wants for you. Back to the Jews. <laughs> God's ironic, and he's got a great sense of humor. Certainly does in my life. And remember when the Israelites, they ask for a human king, right? Give us a human king like everybody else has. Well, here's the funny thing, right? In God's providence... And God's irony, we see 4,000 years later a human king who is actually also God. God solves the problem. God the Father solves the problem by sending his son Jesus, the king of the Jews, who is both man and God at the same time, who brings the desires of the world for a human leader, a man upon whom to place our hope, a man upon whom we can trust in all things, our Lord, our Savior, and, and this beautiful poetic Irony, God sends his son to be both God and king. And the reason Jesus solves the problem, friends, of identity, and it's simple and it's profound, is because Jesus Christ, as a Christian, you become a Christian because Jesus died for you. You're not a Christian because you're a great guy or a great girl. You're not a Christian because God owes you. You're a Christian purely because Jesus died for you and offers you that on the cross to you. In other words, his love for you can never be lost because you never earned it in the first place, you see? That's the beauty of it. Everything else in this world can be taken from you because everything else in this world you have to earn it except for Jesus' death on the cross in your place. We cannot earn God's love, but we don't have to. Thanks be to God. Hear me as I conclude. Friends, Everything that you use in your life to define yourself, everything, everything, 
everything you define yourself with will someday be taken from you. Your job, your career, your family, your money, your life. I tell you the story about my grandfather, Ramin, used to say, you can't take it with you. And I preached at his funeral. He didn't. Everything you have in this world will someday be taken from you. It's all temporary. It's all transient. It's all chasing after the wind. Like Ecclesiastes says, you never quite grab it. It's all temp- temporary. And all of the things of this world will fail you like they did for Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. The only identity which can never be taken from you is your identity as a Christian because it is an identity that you did not earn in the first place. In a few moments, we're going to make two new Christians, Max and Sierra. Are they here yet? They'll be here in a minute. Sage, I'm sorry, Sage. Sierra's mother. And we're going we're to invite them into the life of Christ, and they're going to spend in their, their lives becoming an ide- and gaining this identity of who they are realizing that what's happened to them is that Jesus has died for them and made them people of worth and value and significance and hope. So here's some pastoral advice to you, friends, brothers and sisters. Be a mom or a dad. Be a priest. Be an organist. Be a cop. Be a teacher. Be a lawyer. Be a retiree. Whatever it is, be who you are. But here's the challenge to be reminded of today. Be a Christian mom. Be a Christian dad. Be a Christian finance guy. Be a Christian lawyer. Be a Christian cop. Be a Christian teacher. Be a Christian priest. Keep Jesus first. Be clear on who and whose you are. That is the identity that God wants for you because it is the only identity that will never be taken from you. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Father, remind us to be different, to lead by example, to stand out as your people, to lead lives of joy and peace and identity, firmly grounded in Jesus Christ, our King. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.